Hey everybody, it's Bill Courtney with an army of normal folks, and we continue with part two of our conversation with Mike Rowe, right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey everybody, it's Coach Bill Courtney. If you're enjoying an episode of An Army of Normal Folks, there's another podcast you might like, especially if the global conflicts that seem to surround us and even the upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the right answers, but on what could go right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Reed Zakaria, and economist Alan Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We now return to Mike on yet another normal person who supported him. Fred King. Uh, uh, he is a big one, man. This is, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I didn't know what we were going to talk about, but it's, uh, and just to be clear, there are women in my life who have been transformatively influential. In fact, with the exception of my producer, Chuck, I only hire women. 
I, my business partner is a woman. I'm, I like women. Let's be clear. However, um, <laughs> I like women. However, a lie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> growing up, my, my mom, of course, was always there, but it was men. It was men who grabbed me periodically by the scruff of the neck and said, no, not that way, this way, not there, here. And Fred King was the one who did that in a most meaningful way. He was my high school music teacher. If you saw Mr. Holland's opus, you know, that's the kind of guy he was. He could, he changed the, uh, he changed the barometric pressure in a room when he walked into it. He was just a force, you know. He looked like Don Rickles. He had false teeth. <laughs> he lost all his teeth boxing and playing football when he was in the Navy. Um, but he was also the most gifted musician I ever knew. He uh, was known as the king of the barbershoppers. He was. Oh, a, that's where that comes um, from in your world. The barber guy. That's where that whole thing that, that you comes do from. comes from. That's why I sing four part harmony on all the commercials on my podcast, because I a I can B it amuses me. Sometimes <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. And it's an homage to to Fred King. Fred, he started teaching at Overly Senior High the same year I became uh, a, a freshman there. And I, and I still had my stammer, but I knew I could sing thanks to Mr. Huntington. So I signed up for all the uh, choruses. And my chorus teacher, my choir teacher, was this freak named Fred King, who would, uh, he would challenge students in ways that no teacher could do today. Just like, just like Mr. Huntington did in, in the Boy Scouts. Fred, Fred King occupied that part of the map that says, here be dragons. He did things very, very differently. And he, he turned my high school inside out, right? I mean, you're a football guy, right? I am. So you'll appreciate this. In his first year during the homecoming uh, weekend at Overly, Fred King went into the, uh, the band, the giant band room and took a snare drum and put it around his neck. And with me and about a dozen other people following him, he started marching up and down the halls playing I mean a real like a like a charge into battle cadence on the snare drum yeah yeah that's a, that's like a, that's like a march beat that's exactly what it was yeah. and of course Fred played in a marching band for years he played every instrument we didn't know any of this at the time we just saw this crazy pied piper <laughs> marching up and down the normally sedate halls of overly and people would come out of the classrooms he'd march into the classrooms disrupted the class he got the whole school to follow him out to the football field where the Overly Falcons were preparing to get their kicked again because we didn't win a lot, but it didn't matter. It didn't matter. He got, he got like the whole student body out there and taught us the Overly Falcons uh, school song. We didn't even know we had a school song, but he taught it to us and he made us sing it like with great pride. And he was another one of those guys, very macho, very manly and masculine in all the traditional ways. But he would, he'd look you square in the face and weep as he was singing God Bless America or some old song about sweethearts and mothers and wars and all these things. It was such a, 
he was such an interesting dude. And over that first year, uh, I, I formed a relationship with him rooted in the kind of trust that really, I think, can only be fostered uh, through, through music and, and a certain level of sacrilege. You know, he was just so compelling <laughs> that I was really, it, I was just enamored of the guy. And um, one day I, I found an, uh, an album in his office called The Oriole Four, and that's when I learned that he was the baritone in a world champion barbershop quartet. And that's when I learned that he conducted this amazing group of men called the Course of the Chesapeake, who had won international gold medals singing. This was a world that I didn't know existed, right? I took the album home, and I realized after listening to it that I could hear all of the parts, and I could sing them, and I could kind of make sense of them like a puzzle. And uh, when I told him about it, he, he found three other boys in my class, one of whom you know, Chuck, the guy who produces my podcast. And he, um, he taught us how to sing four-part harmony. And then he brought us into this course of the Chesapeake, where an army of men not all of whom were normal, but many of whom served in the army, many of whom fought in the Second World War in Korea. These old guys would take us out after rehearsals for a beer at a place called Johnny Jones, and they would, they would teach us old songs, and we would, they called it woodshedding, you know, the kind of singing you should probably do in a woodshed where nobody can hear you, but it's how you learn to harmonize and how you learn to figure out these parts. And so suddenly every Tuesday night, I'm getting a, I'm getting a lesson in, in music and history from men with gold stars and all kinds of medals for meritorious service in the Marines and in the Army. And, and through it all was Fred, you know. He was always there for that. But the thing he did, Bill, honestly, that, that changed everything, um, later that year he made me audition for a, uh, for a play, for the school play. And what part? It was Curly in Oklahoma. Wow. And he he made me audition for this thing. And my problem wasn't the music. I I could sing. I could hit the notes. I, I was all right. But there's a lot of talking in that musical. And I really didn't want to do my Porky Pig routine in front of, you know, 1,100 students. Uh, but he made me audition. He made me do a monologue. And I got maybe 20 seconds into it. I was doing a monologue from uh, a play called The Rainmaker a character called Starbuck and I'm, I, I know it. I'm getting through it. So yeah, Burt Lancaster did the, yeah, that's right. The movie once upon a time. So I'm, I'm, I'm stammering and making a hash of it about 20 seconds in. And, and I look out and Fred sitting out there in the audience with maybe, you know, four or five other teachers and 20 other kids who were going to be auditioning. And he held up his hand and he said, Mikey, Hey, I like what you're doing with the character here. But the character you're auditioning for doesn't stutter. So do me a favor. <laughs> stutter on your own time and just do it once without all that porky pig crap. OK, that's how he talked to me. He really said it that way. He said it just like that. Just like that. Did you very feel, matter of fact, did, did you did you feel undressed? Standing no, up there in front of I felt, like that. Well, yes, I was nervous, but I wasn't I I didn't feel disrespected in spite of the way he talked to me, 
because I trusted him. I get that. And I knew that, right? And so I didn't, like, without thinking, without questioning the glibness of what he had just suggested I do, right? Uh, I did it without the stammer. And 25, 30 seconds into it, he looks at me from the audience and he makes this gesture. He goes, just kind of shrugs his shoulders as if to say, oh, was that so hard? And um, I remember, Bill, it was a sound like this. In my head, something clicked. And I thought, well, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I think maybe I'm going to just try for a while to act like somebody who doesn't stutter. And that was that. Wow. You know, to answer your earlier question, as it turns out, I didn't, I didn't have a physiological problem. And I, I don't want people to hear stories like this and think that it's all in their mind. There are people stutter and stammer for all sorts of different reasons. Mel Tillis had a different problem than I did. I was just shy. And I was just trapped in a version of myself that had limitations. And guys like my granddad and my dad and Mr. Huntington and Mr. King, they, they weren't having any of that. You know, my pop told me the truth about my limitations. Get a different toolbox, right? Mr. Huntington told me the truth about this comfort. Don't, don't just endure it. Embrace it. And Fred King told me the truth, showed me the truth about what's possible in the world if you act like somebody who has a temperament different than the one you were born with. We'll be right back. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey everybody, it's Coach Bill Courtney. If you're enjoying an episode of An Army of Normal Folks, there's another podcast you might like, especially if the global conflicts that seem to surround us and even the upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the right answers, but on what could go right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Reed Zakaria, and economist Alan Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast is 
NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, two things. I lettered in six sports in high school. So that's what I did. And my freshman year, I tore my shoulder during football season. And my favorite teacher was Dale Flickinger, who was the math teacher. He also did the great name. Yeah, Flickinger from uh, North Dakota. He, uh, He also did the stats for the football team. And I later learned that he was the starting center on a football team who hadn't lost, who didn't lose a single game from his freshman and senior year four state championships, which is doesn't really, yeah, you know. And then I found out that he's a uh, amazing musician. And he also happened to be the chess team coach. Four years later, I found myself at the national championships in high school wearing my letter jacket with all my stripes all over it, playing chess against a bunch of kids that don't look anything like me. Because Dale Flickinger taught me to think about myself in different ways than I had before. And Mike, one of the reasons I thought about myself the way I had before is because my father left home when I was four and my mother was married and divorced five times. So I had five fathers in my life by the time I was 18 years old, none of which were worth assault. And, um, it was my coaches and men like Dale Flickinger who largely defined who I am today. So when I hear your stories, despite the fact that we grew up much different ways from our family standpoint, I really do identify with how great people do support greatness and that I don't think I'm anything I'm not just like any of my coaches or any of my teachers or any of the men that I'm I'm not exactly like any of them, but I'm 100% like pieces of each of them. Absolutely. So in some, I represent a piece of all these people. So the question then is from Fred, if the grandfather's humility and the scout master taught you how to embrace the suck, what Fred teach you? What's that word? Let's go with let's go with the reverse commute. Because really, when I got out of high school, 
and then went into a community college to to really try and apply all of these lessons. Um, you know, the the road into my industry is just paved with IEDs and landmines. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, it's a very, it, very difficult. It's brutal, for it's sure. Just, it's horrible. Yeah. But there's always another path. There's always another way to skin the cat. And when I learned that I could get my union card, my Screen Actors Guild card, which is something I really wanted to get in my mid-20s, because without that, you can't audition for union work. And if you can't audition for union work, you can't get an agent. And no agent will represent you unless you have your union card. But you can't get your union card unless you do union work. And so it was a closed system. Well, the loophole was totally miserable. So the loophole was, wait, if you really need to get into the Screen Actors Guild, you could get into the sister union, one of the sister unions. And this one was called AGMA. It was the American Guild of Musical Artists. And it oversaw the opera. And the opera, the National Opera and the Baltimore Opera and you know all these other opera houses around the country held zero interest for me. The last thing in the world I ever imagined I would do for money was sing in the opera. But if you could get in and get your AGMA card, you could then buy your Screen Actors Guild card oh. because they're sister unions. And so that was my way in. I thought if I can somehow fake my way into the Baltimore Opera, I will be able to buy my membership into the Screen Actors Guild and then go about the business of becoming a famous television personality. I mean, how hard can it be, right? So I... um. I, I went to the library armed with all the lessons that Fred and Glendon and Carl Noble had taught me. And I got um, a recording of La Boheme and I memorized the shortest aria ever written by Giacomo Puccini called the Cote Aria. It's less than three minutes long. It's in Italian. And uh, I, I walked around the streets of Baltimore for weeks with a Sony Walkman on listening to Samuel Ramey, <laughs> make these sounds, these, these Italian sounds over and over and over. And then I went to an open call and I auditioned. And somehow, somehow I got in. They, they were looking for young men with low voices. I checked both of those boxes in 1984. And, um, and suddenly just like that, uh, I'm in the American Guild of Musical Artists, and I'm able to buy my union card for the Screen Actors Guild. But then, you know, proving once again that just when you think you have a, a plan figured out or a commute mapped out, it's the reverse commute that winds up being interesting. Because the opera turned out to be a hell of a lot more fun than I thought it would be. The music was amazing. It was a whole new world to me. Right. Just like Barbershop was just like the Boy Scout. It was like, I'd never heard of such a thing. But suddenly I'm dressed as a Viking standing <laughs> in a repertory company with 70 other people singing. Right. Singing along in a production of uh, Wagner's De Ring to Snibelungen. And um, and just having the time of my life 
I mean, it was just such a kick. Pavarotti was on the stage. Domingo came through that stage. You know, James Morris, some of the greatest singers of the 20th century were standing five feet from me. And I'm a 22-year-old kid dressed as a pirate singing in a language he doesn't even understand (laughs) because Fred King said, hey, do me a favor, try it once without the stutter. Stutter on your own time. Because Glendon Huntington said, no, dude, it's not enough just to endure it. Figure out a way to love it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought about it. But but when you start looking back at those, I mean, isn't it funny how the moments in your life that turn out to be the most pivotal, you don't you don't recognize when you're in the middle of it. It's only when you look back and you can start to get that 30,000 foot view that you realize, for instance, that you never really did have a dad. You had five dads, but none of them were really the guy that you were supposed to have until the universe gets together and says, okay, we're going to send him a Fleckinger. We'll send him a Dell Fleckinger. We'll send him this. We'll send him that. It's yeah. It's a hell of a thing. Mike, it's, it's true. And the irony of irony is, you know, we're, we're producing a show called An Army of Normal Folks to highlight normal folks in our communities that do amazing things despite the difficulties they overcome. And inside that, occasionally we're talking to people like you who've reached really great levels, but we're talking about the people that supported how you've reached that level. And the irony of ironies is you've told me that you revere your grandfather and he taught you humility. You revered your scoutmaster, and he taught you to embrace the suck. And you revered a music teacher who taught you how to reverse commute. And the most valuable, supportive lessons in your life that make up the essence of what you are came from the very most normal people on earth. A carpenter and a hardworking grandfather and a, and a scoutmaster who was a, a former military guy and a and a music teacher in a high school. Normal people that people would walk past every day and not give two thoughts about them as something special who are in fact the most special people in the life of a man who's done amazing things, which to me speaks to every interaction and every opportunity we have in in our communities can matter if we make them count. We'll be right back. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey everybody, it's Coach Bill Courtney. If you're enjoying an episode of An Army of Normal Folks, there's another podcast you might like, especially if the global conflicts that seem to surround us and even the upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, The hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. 
Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the right answers, but on what could go right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Reed Zakaria, and economist Alan Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, it occurs to me, too, listening to you talk, that one of one of the things that Del Fleckinger and Fred King and my pop and all these people had in common that that is in short supply today is a uh, is a generalist approach to living like a general practitioner as opposed to a specialist i think maybe we've we've entered the realm of speciality where we give such great deference to people who have mastered one thing but life right well lived anyway requires lots of different uh competencies and this was a big lesson in dirty jobs again i i didn't know it when i was learning it but looking back especially farmers you know what is a farmer really like what's the skill well he's got to be a weatherman and he's got to be a geologist and he's got to be oh he's he's got to be a businessman for sure you know he has to be able to lay pipe and run electricity. Many of them have to be veterinarians. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw the show on the artificial insemination with the cow. That was crazy. <laughs> sure. Was that fun? Did you enjoy that? Yeah, that cow still calls me. <laughs> the cow did, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, I think the bull had a pretty good time, too, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, are you kidding, man? It, it, Dirty Jobs showed people the truth of work. You know, the first season was a rumination on feces from every species, right? We just we just showed you the reality of cleaning up all the crap the world makes. And season two was artificial insemination and the miracle of modern agriculture. And, you know, we, we put things on TV that nobody had ever done before. 
and we did it with humor and honesty. You know, that show, and this this goes to humility too, we never did a second take. Everything you saw on Dirty Jobs was happening in in real time. And so if you're not humble and you're making a TV show that doesn't do a second take, you're going to be because you are not going to be at your best ever. But you'll always be at at your most actual. And that's what we tried to do. I was going to say, you'll, you'll be the most real. You'll be the most authentic. For better or worse. Yeah. I, I, I get that. I, I get that because um, undefeated, when those guys left Memphis with 550 hours of film to, to make undefeated, um, the, the, you know, the first time I saw the hour and 50 minute movie that came a result of those 550 hours of film, it dawned on me. I was never asked to say anything or repeat anything or stand in any one place or anything. And they cropped together an hour and 50 minute movie out of 550 hours of film. And I will tell you something, when you see yourself in the most authentic space, um, on film for everybody to see, um, you better have some humility because it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an <laughs> eye opening thing to see yourself in those type of positions when you sound and act and react and look and feel differently than you think you present yourself to the world. Um, and it is an eye opener and you will get the humility from it. That's a fact. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's funny. Every time you think you've really learned learned that lesson, you, you you relearn it in a new way. At least I do. And I I spent three years after the opera um, selling things in the middle of the night on the QVC cable shopping channel, and it was it was another world. It was a strange world. It was another experience that came about as the result of a last minute audition. Um, but it was probably the best training I ever got for the industry I'm in today. And the funny thing was they they fired me three times from that gig, all justifiably. Um, the third time it, it stuck in 1993. And so when I left bill, I, I, I didn't, I didn't talk about my time at QVC. It wasn't a thing I even put on my resume, but years later, like I'd say, 1999, 2000, maybe eight years later, to my horror, when the internet first became a thing, I found this thing called YouTube. And on YouTube, somebody had started posting clips of me selling things in the middle of the night on QVC, right? When I was like 27, 28 years old, like the health team infrared pain reliever and the Amcor negative ion generator and collectible dolls and diamondique and all this stuff. And the sensation of watching yourself on a computer screen, just like this one, doing something years before that you have absolutely no recollection of doing, but nevertheless can't deny having done because you're watching yourself do it. That's chilling (laughs) and very instructive. And very humbling. It is. It is chilling. Mike, I, I want to tell you how much I really appreciate you joining me and taking the time. And most importantly, um, 
you know, tell us a little bit about what did support the things you've done great. I know that Dirty Jobs is just completed, I think, season 10. I guess you're back for season 11, right? I don't know. Honestly, the thing's been on 20 years. Deadliest Catch has been on 20 years. You're kidding. No, no joke. Unbelievable. And, and you know, you got your whiskey. You got everything going on. But ultimately, what defines you is none of that. Ultimately, what defines you is your grandfather's humility your scoutmaster's toughness and your music teacher's challenge of uh, challenge of you to think of yourself in a different way. And, and I think, I think that can't be a, a better example and illustration of what it takes to support greatness is take the best of all the people that have a positive impact on your life and culminate them into who you are. And you sharing that story with us is really cool. Well, thanks. Uh, with your permission, I'd like to share one more thing. It's real quick. I, I, I don't know, you know who in your audience that this might pertain to, but I run a foundation today and we award work ethic scholarships every year. In fact, we do it twice a year. Uh, we'll be giving away uh, a million bucks in a couple of months for people who want to pursue a skill that doesn't require a four-year degree. This was the real legacy of Dirty Jobs and the real legacy of my granddad. It's the foundation's called MicroWorks. We started it on Labor Day in 2008. And uh, we've helped about 2,000 people so far get meaningful careers in the skilled trades. So it's something I'm, I'm passionate about, and it's something that's actually moving the needle. So if you or anybody listening uh, wants to pursue a career that's actually in demand, that won't require you to, you know, uh, sign on to a mountain of debt, then uh, think about a career in the trades. If that's for you, we can help at microworks.org. Microworks.org. Do they just go on that thing and apply or tell you about themselves or raise their hand virtually? Yeah, you got to jump through some hoops, right? Yeah, look, full full disclosure, and 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 this ultimately is the best tribute I can pay to to all the men we've discussed. Our our scholarship program is called work ethic scholarships, right? So, yeah, I, I need to see some references. Um, I I ask you to write an essay. I ask you to make a videotape and make a persuasive case for yourself, and and tell us why we should spend the money that we uh, that we raise on you. Um, but I'll tell you something, Bill, the success stories are amazing. So many people now, cause we've been doing it a while. I, I circle back now and I, I see how people are doing and I hear from welders and steam fitters and pipe fitters and, and electricians and plumbers and so forth. And they're, they're all making six figures. They're, they're all leading balanced lives. So look, I mean, if you really want to land the plane back with Noble, that, that's where it was for me. My pop went to the seventh grade, wound up being one of the smartest people I ever met, one of the most competent people you'd ever want to know. And so my foundation today is, you know, that evolved from him just as surely as, as Dirty Jobs did. And it's, uh, it's nice of you to bring it up and let me talk about it. I appreciate it. If, if, if your listeners can benefit from it, that's why it's there. Well, I'll tell you what, I hope one day you and I can meet up and toast a couple of noble Manhattans to your grandfather. That would be a very civilized way to uh, spend a, a warm afternoon in Memphis. Well, 
the uh, invitation always stands, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. And um, we will uh, continue to watch what you do and continue to uh, listen to and appreciate who supported your greatness, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks. And thanks to all of you for joining us this week. If Mike Rowe, Mike's music teacher, his grandfather, his scoutmaster, or any other guest we've had on has inspired you in general, or better yet to take action, please let me know. I'd love to hear about it. You can write me anytime at bill at normalfolks.us. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and on social. Subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it. All of the things that will help grow an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. I'll see you next week. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.